Welcome back, everybody, to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner, and I appreciate you tuning in. So I had sent out an email to uh, my list, and shameless plug, if you're not subscribed to my email list, you should probably get on that, because I send out about three per week, always just, you know, on something that I find interesting, content, like, you know, we talk about fasting, or we talk about gut health, or I'll just... You know, pretty much I I don't really even know beforehand what I'm going to talk about, but like I get a bunch of questions each week and they always seem to have a common theme. And so then I'll just put out an email and give you my take on it. And uh, a lot of people seem to enjoy it. So get on that. But, you know, I put out an email talking about adrenal fatigue. Uh, For some reason, a lot of people are asking about it. And it's one of those things that's kind of a controversial topic. And I'm not really sure why. I mean, I kind of know why, but, you know, adrenal fatigue when we break it down into like a technicality, it's not real because it's not an accepted term um, in the science community. So if like you look at, uh, you know, PubMed will basically tell you that, you know, practitioners don't really believe that adrenal fatigue is real because the way that it's used is basically the theory of overworking your adrenal glands and fatiguing them, which they don't actually fatigue. Now, the symptoms that occur from adrenal fatigue are very real. So it's one of those things that it's kind of just a technicality. But if you are somebody who is experiencing symptoms of adrenal fatigue, which now, you know, we're hearing more and more people calling it HPA axis dysfunction because that's more accepted in the medical community. So basically the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, or sometimes you can even throw the thyroid in there, um, that's more accepted. But the symptoms of adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysfunction are very real. So if you are somebody who is experiencing those symptoms, like uh, you are having mood swings, brain fog, um, you're always tired, like even after you get eight hours of sleep, you still feel like you're just lethargic, you have low motivation, low sex drive, um, activities that you used to really enjoy doing, you just aren't feeling it anymore. Um, Those are all going to be symptoms of adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysfunction. And so if your adrenals aren't actually fatiguing, what's going on? So that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to talk about this more from a neurotransmitter standpoint. There are a lot of hormonal implications, and I'll touch on that a little bit. But I want to save that because I have a hormone expert coming onto the show. And so I don't want to steal his thunder. And plus, he knows way more than I do about hormones. So I'm going to let him shine when it comes to the hormone conversation. And I'm going to talk about this more from a neurotransmitter standpoint. Um, So and along the same lines, you might hear the term CNS fatigue thrown out there as well. And it's like the exact same thing. Your central nervous system doesn't actually fatigue, but you can have some, some of those same symptoms from overly stimulating or overly activating your central nervous system chronically over a long period of time. And that's the thing that the theory about chronic stress fatiguing the adrenals or fatiguing your CNS, you know, while that's not really what's happening, um, chronic stress is causing a lot of issues, especially today with just the nature of our lives and kind of, you know, how we're in this constantly go, go, go mindset. Um, So if you are experiencing those symptoms, there's likely from a neurotransmitter standpoint, a few things that could be going on. And that's going to depend on your personality type and how you're wired. So your brain chemistry is going to determine which 
one of these scenarios is the most likely for you. So the first thing is depleting your dopamine. Now, if you are somebody who has low levels of dopamine and you further deplete dopamine, you are going to feel like shit. Like if you've ever done a workout and the next day you've just felt totally rinsed, like completely hung over, there is a strong likelihood that you depleted your dopamine. And the way that that happens is adrenaline is something that is fabricated downstream from dopamine. So uh, the more adrenaline that you produce, the more resources that you take from dopamine to, to fabricate adrenaline and thus lowering your dopamine levels. And adrenaline is kind of that stress response neurotransmitter. It's gets us ready for a do or die situation. And it's meant to be like a jolt. It's meant to be like that turbo button. Um, it's not supposed to be uh, amplified for that long. And so if you think about chronic stress and you're overproducing adrenaline, naturally you are stealing resources from dopamine and you can deplete your dopamine levels. And the people that are most susceptible to that are those that are genetically low dopamine producers. And, um, you know, we can tell a lot from personality traits, but just like more of those extroverted, um, you know, outgoing type of people tend to be, you know, people who are like thrill seekers and that sort of thing. They're going to be more um, of your typical dopamine dominant or, you know, produce low levels of dopamine and will be more susceptible to depleting. And then the other issue that can possibly come up is if you desensitize your dopamine receptors. And that's something that is less likely to occur. Um, mostly it's going to be through drug use and, you know, something like cocaine or amphetamines or meth methamphetamines or even potentially steroids. So hopefully none of my listeners have that issue, but it is something that can, um, that can happen. Now, the other scenario when it comes to, you know, CNS fatigue or adrenal fatigue, HPA axis dysfunction uh, is from a neurotransmitter standpoint, if you deplete norepinephrine and norepinephrine is also in the adrenaline family, but basically what's going to happen is, like I said, your, your, you know, role, the role of adrenaline is to give you that burst. It's that like, it's a do or die situation. Here's that shot of energy. So it's like, you know, better blood flow, muscle contractions, confidence. It gets you ready for that stress response. However, with chronically elevated stress, you've got cortisol, which is our stress hormone, and also takes the norepinephrine that we have and converts it to epinephrine. And basically, you end up depleting your norepinephrine, which can cause lack of motivation um, and, and almost like all of those symptoms of adrenal fatigue. So you're actually, you know, this is kind of where the neurotransmitter hormone relationship um, happens. I mean, they're very connected and you actually can't have hormone um, processes without neurotransmitters. But, you know, just for simplicity's sake, cortisol elevation is not going to be good for, you know, your norepinephrine um, production. So it's basically going to deplete that if it's chronically elevated because of the conversion that happens. Um, and the other thing with chronically elevated stress, so you've got the potential for uh, norepinephrine to be depleted, and then you also have the potential for your adrenal receptors to become desensitized to your own adrenaline. And again, because it's supposed to be a short burst. So if you think about it, adrenaline should you know, attach to the receptor site for a short period of time, 
um, do its job and then come down and basically, you know, get back to normal levels. But if you're chronically stressed and it's chronically produced, uh, the receptors are going to get desensitized to the adrenaline that you're producing, which because you're constantly pumping out more. So an easy correlation to make there would be like, um, you know, really any hormone, but insulin is something that a lot of people know about already. So it's kind of the same thing. If you are overproducing insulin, your body is be- is going to become desensitized to the insulin that you're producing. Thus, you need to continue to produce more to get the message home. And that's not a good thing. We want to be sensitive to hormones and neurotransmitters. So um, by overproducing a hormone or a neurotransmitter, you are becoming more resistant to it and you're becoming desensitized to it. Now, when the adrenal receptors are desensitized, you are going to experience the symptoms of adrenal fatigue, CNS fatigue, HPA axis dysfunction. Now, when you have those issues, so basically those are kind of like the four common scenarios from a neurotransmitter standpoint um, when we talk about the symptoms of adrenal fatigue. And once you have those symptoms, like you are feeling like brain fog, you're feeling mood swings, you're feeling lethargic, you got a great night of sleep and you just still can't seem to get going in the morning, um, or you're just, you know, your, your sex drive is down, um, you feel like no discipline, no willpower, no motivation, you don't want to train, um, there's some things that we can do from a nutrition standpoint, from a training standpoint, and from a lifestyle standpoint. The first thing that's the easiest to cover is training. You don't want to overtrain when you're when you're dealing with these symptoms. It's pretty much the worst thing that you can do. So naturally, if you are dealing with uh, dopamine depletion, uh, you don't want to go in and do a super intense workout where you're you know activating the CNS and requiring more dopamine. It's just going to have you know, and you're going to be producing adrenaline. It's like you're just kind of making matters worse. So we've got to decrease intensity. We've got to increase decrease volume. And we've got to decrease frequency. And that's usually the last thing that people want to hear. I know me personally, I if somebody told me to stop training as much as I do, I would tell them to go fuck themselves. But like, you know, from the standpoint of health, you have to be smart. Like you can't let pride get in the way. And, you know, even for me, like when I experience those things, like it's the last thing that I want to hear, but I know it's the right thing to do. And you're just pretty much the bottom line is, your body's always going to win. You can fight against it, but it will always win. It sends a, a little bit of a signal at first, then that signal gets louder, then that signal gets louder. The more you ignore that, the worse the consequences are going to be. So you might as well uh, you know, take action sooner than later and deal with a longer recovery. And you know, I know this is another thing that not a lot of people want to hear, but the road to recovery can be a long time. It depends on how deep down that, you know, uh, adrenal fatigue, HPA axis dysfunction you are, that's going to determine how long it, it takes to come out of that. And and I've heard some some stories where, you know, we're talking about years and, you know, hopefully you catch it early and you start to take action and you can make a quick, you can heal your body quickly. But from a training standpoint, the worst thing that you can do is continue pushing with like crazy intensity and frequency and volume. So cutting all of those things by like 50% is a good place to start. And then from a nutrition standpoint, you know, it's funny because it's not funny, but it's one of those things that people talk to me all the time about. And it's basically like I'm having all these symptoms, but 
I also need to lose 20 pounds. So how do I do both of those things and heal myself and also drop that weight? Like those are completely conflicting goals. And your number one priority, again, you're, you're trying to fight against your body. So in this instance, your number one priority is restoring homeostasis. You need to tell your body that everything's going to be okay because basically it is ringing that alarm and it is sending a clear signal to you like, hey, we're in trouble right now. Like we need to fix this and your body's resourceful. So, you know, trying to lose fat in that scenario, it's not going to happen. You're just going to keep digging yourself a deeper ditch. And, you know, so that means that going into a calorie deficit is not a good idea. Eliminating one macro, like trying to go no carb and trying to go like no fat, you're not doing yourself any favors. So the best thing to do is work your way up to maintenance and, you know, Put the fat loss goals on the back burner. It's important to see the big picture because if you are trying to play the short game, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to, again, just do more damage. You're going to continue to fight against your body and your body will ultimately win. So you have to see the big picture and know that your number one priority in that scenario is healing. You need to get your biofeedback markers improved. You need to take care of you know hormonal balance, getting homeostasis restored, and basically communicating with your body that, hey, it's going to be okay. And then at that point, you're just telling your body that now it's okay that we let go of fat. So you kind of just have to, uh, you know, send that message back, like, it's going to be okay, but it can take time. And, you know, getting calories back up to maintenance, or even a slight surplus, um, and definitely don't recommend any sort of like, nutritional stress, which would mean eliminating a food, you know, eliminating a macro or doing any sort of like fasting or anything like that, that's going to be an added stress on the body. Um, so just trying to restore caloric maintenance. Um, and, you know, food quality is going to be important because you don't want to be eating, you know, pro-inflammatory foods or anything that's going to cause gut distress. So taking care of food sensitivities and that sort of thing. And then from a lifestyle standpoint, it's the most cliche thing in the world when you just say manage your stress because I know a lot of you are like, great, thanks, Mike, but like I have, you know, kids and I have a job and I have, you know, all this shit that I need to take care of in my life. So just saying managing stress doesn't do me much good. But here's the thing you have to prioritize sleep, you have to prioritize self care. I don't care how busy you are. I know that all of us spend some time in our cars. You know, rather than getting all worked up over traffic, take five minutes to just breathe, focus on your breath and just do like five, you know, box breathing reps. So like, you know, inhale for four seconds, hold for two seconds, exhale for four seconds, hold for two seconds and repeat that. Um, it, it doesn't have to be that. But my point is that you got to do something. You have to find a way to put yourself into this parasympathetic state in whatever that looks like for you, if that is meditation, that's great. If that's journaling, that's great. If that's listening to music, that's great. If that's going out with a friend and just chilling, like whatever that looks like for you, you just got to do it. And it just comes down to prioritizing your health and understanding that you can find the time, uh, especially if it's something that's meaningful, like your health should be, and you know that you're you're suffering from these symptoms. So um, do what you can, like go for a walk, get outside, uh, basically just find little pockets of time to balance stress as much as you possibly can. It's never going to be perfect. And, you know, just by the nature of our daily lives, we're always going to be more sympathetic 
dominant. And that's just kind of, you know, the way that our culture is right now. Like we are overworked. We are, we don't sleep enough. And that's just kind of, uh, you know, we, we've got blue lights all up in our face. We've got screens, we've got just constant, you know, stuff going on that takes our attention away from what's meaningful. And, uh, we just have to be diligent about taking care of self-care. So, as cliche as it sounds, from a lifestyle standpoint, you got to balance stress. Now, there's some things from you know a supplementation standpoint that you can do. I don't want to give specific protocols because it's going to be context dependent and what is the cause of those symptoms. But one of the things that's cool that you can kind of get an idea of what neurotransmitter is the issue. So, like if you are you know feeling that lack of motivation and it's an activity that you normally love to do. So I'm going to use myself. Like I love to box. Now let's just say that one day I wake up and I'm like, even though I know I love to box, I just don't feel like doing it right now. My motivation is shit right now. And let's say a friend comes and drags me out of bed and is like, let's go, we're going to box. And then I get there and I love it. And I'm like, man, that was awesome. I'm so glad you dragged me out and did this. That's going to be a dopamine issue. So the lack of motivation, but once I got there, I enjoyed it. That's a dopamine issue. Now, if I were in the same situation and I wake up, don't feel like boxing, my friend comes over, drags me out of bed, we're going to go box. And I'm like, I don't know why the fuck you did that. I still am just miserable, even though it's an activity that I love. That's a serotonin issue. So, you know, just a cool test to see. Um, whether you are low on dopamine or whether it's just a mood type of thing with like your, your feel good hormone, your, I'm sorry, your feel good neurotransmitter. So it can possibly be that your symptoms are more related to low levels of serotonin. And then, you know, you could supplement with something like 5-HTP, um, or GABA. And, you know, again, it's going to be context dependent, but then if it's the dopamine issue, you can supplement with something like L-tyrosine. But the most important thing, like everyone jumps to supplements first, that's the last area that we should be addressing this. And that's why I didn't even list it where I said training, nutrition, and lifestyle. Those are the things that are going to make the biggest difference. Like the amount of sleep that you're getting, you know, the, the stuff that you're doing in your daily life to manage stress, the way that you're eating and the way that you're training, they're all going to have a much bigger impact on recovery from adrenal fatigue, HPA axis dysfunction than just trying to take a supplement. That's going to be a Band-Aid fix, although in the right context, it can help um, just a little bit. So, um, you know, again, if it's a dopamine issue, L-tyrosine can help. And then when it comes to like adrenal fatigue from an adrenaline standpoint, uh, there's some stuff that we can do with adaptogens. Um, tyrosine can also help in that scenario. But then, you know, we can also look at supplementing with rhodiola, with ashwagandha, um, just some adaptogens and herbs that will make a difference in balancing cortisol um, and helping that stress management side of things. So, you know, there are some things hormonally that can happen. And I don't want to get, you know, just I touched a little bit on cortisol and the impact that it has, but, you know, I want to save that because I do have my boy Sam Miller coming on and I'm going to let him, you know, talk all about hormones. But if you guys have any questions from a hormone standpoint, um, just hit me up, shoot me a DM so I can ask Sam specifically. I think it would be cool to have some questions lined up. Um, otherwise, like I'm just excited to continue to pick his brain. When, whenever we talk, like we just go down these rabbit holes from a neurotransmitter hormone standpoint, like we totally nerd out on all of that stuff. So I think you guys are really going to dig that episode. Um, so that's really going to be the neurotransmitter side of things. 
uh, when it comes to adrenal fatigue. Is it real? I mean, technically not really. Just don't let somebody, you know, kind of talk you out of what you're feeling on a technicality. Uh, your symptoms are real. And anybody that has been in the field, anybody who has worked with clients knows those symptoms are real. So like if you are somebody who's just hiding behind the fact that it is technically not an accurate term, um, I think it's really doing people a disservice. And, you know, we have to look at it from, you know, anecdotally, I've, ex- I've seen my clients deal with it. And, and I've, you know, I've worked through that recovery process. And um, just, you know, I think, as we see the shift to talking about it from more of a HPA axis dysfunction and, and CNS fatigue, even though we're kind of talking about the same thing. And it's the most important thing is, what's the root cause? And I think as you know, coaches, that's where our focus really needs to be. What is the root cause of this? Who, who cares what we're, you know, the term that we're using, but like, why is it happening? And let's go from there and then let's fix it. All right, guys. So you know the drill. I need you to screenshot this episode and tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner and tell me what you think. So post it on Instagram, shoot me a DM, let me know your thoughts and then hit me up with any questions for Sam so we can just nerd out on all things hormones and answer all of your questions. And then if you can continue to help this show grow by jumping onto iTunes and giving me a five-star rating and review, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And until next time, I will talk to you guys then.